Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church, and we're excited to be with you today. Very excited because today we have a special guest. I'm here with Mike as usual, and then along with Mike, Matthew Holbrook is in the room. Uh, he's kind of an interesting character, but we figured we'd have him on anyway. So, Matthew, hello. Hello. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you too. Uh, so, guys, I'm going to throw us right into our our uh, topic for today. Uh, we want to talk about what is uh, the greatest challenge in the church right now, what's the greatest blessing in the church right now, and then how does spiritual warfare factor into those challenges and blessings. So, a little bit open-ended, but we're going to kind of kick this one around, and I'm going to throw it to you guys, Matthew or Mike, either one of you can jump in. We'll start with a challenge. So, what is it that stands out in your mind right now as maybe the greatest or one of the greatest uh, challenges in the church right now. Yeah, that's a that's just like a small narrow question. We can just like yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, I I guess I would say everything s- stems and flows out of a an increasing loss of the concept of authorial intent in understanding the Bible, um, and then the, that leads into lots and lots of things. But um, I, I to take a quick step back. If you were to think about the history of our country, and we think about this specifically in the context of the American church, um, I do reject the idea that we, we were ever a, a Christian nation, but uh, America was founded largely on many biblical principles, and the, um, the water that Americans swam in was, was um, filled with a lot of Christian and biblical ideas. And so when the Bible was presented, and talked about, I think it was, while never perfect and, and still all kinds of problems in the past, not um, uh, dismissing that at all, but um, a lot of biblical principles rang more true to people's ears. In today's world, things have shifted so much that the water that we swim in is largely um, antagonistic to the Bible. And so it almost, when we say biblical truth, it sounds off, even for believers in the church, because we're so affected by culture that when we say certain things, we cringe and we're just like, oh, can we really say that? Because it feels like in the world we can't say that. And so those types of, that, those types of shifts have now bled into how Christians and how churches read the Bible more than ever before, I think, at least in, in, in our country. And so there's a um, there are tendencies to to allow culture and our own personal thinking to um, to affect how, how the Bible is interpreted. And if I can just throw out one one quick example, and um, I don't know if we're allowed to like name names or how this works here, but um, we name names on the OCP. All right. Well, um, you know, somebody in the past I've liked a lot and that has gone uh, you know, has gone sideways um, is Francis Chan. <laughs> And uh, recently saw uh, an, an interview with him where he was talking about some things, and he's looking at some passages in the Bible that are pretty clear what the, the author intended for his audience to understand um, in, in the Bible. And, um, and Francis is looking at that saying, I just don't know what this means. It's just the, the God as I understand him can't, couldn't mean this, this, and this. Therefore, it has to mean this or this, and he, and he made it very, something that was very clear in Scripture to be very squishy and open-ended. And, um, and, it's, and it's because his, his understanding of who God must be, based on how he's been affected by lots of other things, was shaping his understanding rather than just saying, 
this is who God says that he is, and this is what God means when he says that. Yeah, that loss of authorial intent um, is huge, and that antagonism toward biblical truth. You know, and it's, it's interesting. We see it from unbelievers, and we don't expect it from believers, but we've come to expect it from believers because we see it so often. I, I'm going to loosely paraphrase uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, I quoted him on Sunday uh, verbatim, but you know, we can handle sin in the camp in the church, but we get our hackles up when we start talking about being wholly devoted to Christ or holiness and sanctification at times. And I think to piggyback on what you just said, Matthew, I would say one of the greatest challenges right now is I'm going to call it lovelessness, a lack of love for Jesus, and then subsequently others. And there's a prayer in the end of First Thessalonians chapter 3 that's really captured my heart over the last year or so. And it, and it says this, it says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And this overflowing the banks for love for, obviously we love him because he first loved us, but also for each other in the church and then for all people. And so I think, you know, this lovelessness, as I would put it, is based on a shaky grasp of the word of God and, and, what, and what God was really saying. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but like what you just said um, was exactly the linear progression that I was thinking when you asked the question, mm-hmm. that there is... Um, that, that there is an excusing of what the Bible is actually saying because of my own thoughts that I'm pushing into the Bible. And as a result, um, it results in excusing how I relate to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, I can think of just, uh, um, there, there's somebody who not too long ago left grace and left a wake of broken relationships. Um, and um, the, the final straw was there were conversations where there, there was pleading with this person to remedy those relationships and to make every attempt and pointing back to scripture as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men and, and especially within the church and the love of the church. And the more that that appeal was made and pointed out in scripture, the more that the person was saying, no, that doesn't apply in my situation because of this, this, and this. And it was somebody that was rejecting what God's word plainly said because of their own desires and ultimately leaving the church. And not that you're, that it's a life sentence to be at, at Grace or at any church, but you don't leave a church with broken relationships or at least without every attempt made to remedy those, those relationships. And so I do see those absolutely connected, that the lack of authorial intent in understanding scriptures leads to um, an excuse to be able to break relationships and not not love people, not deal with things that, that need to be dealt with within the messy family of God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get to the second question. I, just to quickly weigh in and maybe try to marry these things a little bit too. Um, so, Mike, you, you said, you know, lack of love for God leads to lack of love uh, for God's people and the rest of the world, which I'm, I'm totally with. The first thing that came into my mind was um, at different points in history, you, you have a basically to your point Matthew you have like a fabric of society that's essentially kind of rooted in scripture and everybody's basically like their worldview and reality is orbiting around the triune God and everything is impacted by that well that's totally not the case now and so you have people whose 
you know, the world that they're in, reality is orbiting, orbiting around anything except the Triune God and Bible. And I think that's just a, is a challenge in the church to try to bring people into the sway of how do you actually think of all of your life as it pertains to this God who made you. And um, anyway, I think there's maybe some spiritual warfare uh, connections that we could even draw when we get to that question mm-hmm. too. But second question now, uh, I want to kick it to you guys and after you can start again. Uh, if the greatest challenge in the church is related to uh, kind of maybe losing our, our grip on authorial intent and the authority of scripture, and that leads to lovelessness. On the other side, what's the greatest blessing that you're seeing right now in the church? I think it would be the other side of the same coin. Um, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Um, I think that the, the clearest um, examples of that, we, we, we want to, as believers, hear the voice of God. And we hear that when he speaks clearly in his word. And the more that we are moving as a culture to where that is so unusual, the more that, that stands out who the, the true believers are and that we are shaped by that and submit to that and long for that and want that. Um, uh, I can tell you just a very quick personal anecdote. It was at a conference a few years ago, a lot of speakers, a Christian conference, good speakers, phenomenal world-class speakers, everybody was, was talking, and, and uh, it was teaching um, biblical truth over and over and over again. But it was teaching and explaining, and it was almost academic, in the, in the discussions, and I was learning and, and gaining a lot from it, but there was something in me that just wanted to hear God's word proclaimed, wanted to hear God's word preached, and about like the eighth speaker gets up, and he just says, you know what we're going to do now? I'm just going to preach from this passage, and he preached, and it was like, you know, water for a thirsty soul, like I just, I wanted to hear the proclamation of God's word, and I reflected on that, and I thought, there's a saint, there's evidence of sanctification in that in my own heart because I just I so wanted to hear God's voice I wanted to hear the word of God not just explained but proclaimed and I think that there's there's the darker the the world is around us the more that we're drawn to the light and so um, the blessing in the church in all that's going on around us is that the true Christians are just longing for the light. They long for what God says. And and so I think there's an even greater commitment amongst those who are truly regenerated. Let me go ahead and jump in. Um, I'm saying amen. If we had the video on, you would see me giving fist bumps in the air and uh, <laughs> cheering on what Matthew just said. Um, you know, it's interesting what you just said about just wanting, longing to hear the word of God preached. And um, I don't have a, well, I, I'll usually give a preacher one minute or less to get me into the text. And what I mean by that is let me know that you're going to the text, even if you're going to give a, an opening illustration. And one of the reasons why I have the Grace to You app on my phone and the SLJ Institute, uh, S. Lewis Johnson, and also MLJ Institute, Martin Lloyd-Jones, is because I can dial up all three of those at any hour of the day and night and hear the word of God preached. And I can't always do that by turning on my radio or listening to another preacher's podcast or even others that other churches, you know, that I know of that I will go see what, what they're preaching and what have you. And I don't want to hear all those stories about your dog. I don't want to hear about, you know, um, your, you know, your flu, your, sometimes it's just no, no biblical truth coming out of a sermon at times. So yeah, I'm, I'm, but my quest, my answer to that question, I think 
is, is lockstep with yours, but to me, the greatest blessing going on right now is that the Word of God still does the work. There are sometimes, there's Sunday morning sometimes where I'll have this battle, and I think it is a spiritual battle, where I'll wake up, I'll be so excited to preach the Word, but then I'll have this thought. Like, is it going to make any difference? You know, I'll think about some people I know that are struggling with certain things, or maybe people that are pushing away biblical truth, and, and I just think, is it going to make any difference? And it always comes back to, you know, God's going to use His Word. He said it in Isaiah 55, it's not going to return void without accomplishing um, the purpose for which he sent it, First uh, Thessalonians 2.13, which you all have heard me quote so many times, but we thank God, Paul said this, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy said this in Thessalonians, we thank God concerning you constantly, that you received the word of God which you heard from us, and you accepted it not as the word of men, but as that what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. Yeah, Absolutely. Let me just, if I could underline that, just to get us maybe a little bit further from Grace Church for a minute. I think people maybe don't know this. Um, MacArthur has said we're living in the middle of one of the greatest revivals in the history of the church. And in the global south and all around the world, the, the word of God is doing exactly what you've been preaching in, in San Francisco. It's moving forward, speeding ahead. Um, even when I was at Masters, there, I, you know, I have friends from every continent except Antarctica. Yes, not so much there. Uh, but and from tons of countries who came to study there, just one seminary, and go back with the word of God to the people there. Um, I just got an email from the Masters Academy International saying uh, men from fifty nations are asking them come and, and help us train men to be able to preach the word and, and go into different cities and villages. So I think maybe sometimes we forget about that. But you know, even while we lament the secularism of the West and these kinds of things. Um, the Lord is building His church all around the world, and there is really a revival of love for uh, Scripture. So, awesome stuff. Um, Matthew, you want to jump in on that really fast? Yeah, I, just uh, to, to underline that a little bit further, I was just having a conversation last night um, uh, with my niece and her fiancé, so calling her out if she is listening to this. Um, but we, we were lamenting several different aspects, relationship stuff, um, that uh, problems in the world and, um, challenges with like, you know, I'm trying to, to bring the gospel to these friends who are rejecting. What do I say when they say this? And, um, we just had a little, uh, um, you know, earthquake here in the, in the office, but uh, uh, we're all okay. And has never happened before yeah. in here. Anyway, um, the, the ultimate conclusion out of all that was that um, we have to always remember in every situation we are as as Christians um, we are living primarily in a supernatural realm um, and we are so often tempted to bring natural resources to supernatural problems but virtually everything that we deal with is is in a supernatural realm you know hearts that are that are wrong um, rejection of God's word, rejection of God's truth. Um, and the only real solutions to that is the unleashing of the supernatural power of the word of God and, and prayer. And, and it just, um, it seems uh, so simple, but we still, we still um, stray from that. And so whether it be preaching the gospel, we can use evidence, we can use classical arguments, we can use philosophical arguments, whatever it is, but it all comes back to, we have to get to the supernatural um, and so that's happening all over the world, and we see God's word um, does not return void. Mm -hmm. 
And we see it right here at Grace Church of Orange. There were so many times last fall where I saw and heard from people and they would tell me, they say, this is, this is why I'm doing this. I, I, I reconciled with my son because the Bible tells me I should do that. Uh, and an older man who's a newer believer said to me once, he says, my life is so different now. I had three relationships I knew weren't right. And when, when we did all the teaching on um, resolving conflict in the church, he says, I didn't realize uh, you know, that things were amiss. And now my life is so different because I, 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 by God's grace, I've taken care of those things. So, you know, it's interesting in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us exactly what we're talking about. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we're going to see us, we're people living in the world. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And first and foremost, the word of God destroys strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I would just say that that's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls because he wasn't doing this on his own. Yeah. I know we're getting close to wrapping this up, but to tie it all the way back to the beginning, because of what you just said and what you what you read, there in 2 Corinthians 10, all the more reason why we want to hear God's voice and hear it accurately. And we have to have, um, we have to be on the offense to, to go to God's word and to, and to want to hear what he's saying accurately, aware on defense of the waters that we swim in and how it's affecting us, even in ways that we never realize. So bringing this all the way back to the beginning of this discussion, we look at American history um, and, and I made the, the, the claim here earlier that in the past we were more based on biblical principles. And I commented, that doesn't mean that we are, we're without problems in the past, like maybe slavery. And the Bible being used to justify slavery. The, um, there being um, even people that we might consider icons of the, uh, of the Christian faith in America who were involved in, sla in, in owning slaves. And so how do, we, how do we put that together? I think that that's a, it's a warning sign to us that when, when the culture is going so hard in one direction, it can blind us to understanding the clarity of biblical truth, to understanding the authorial intent. And so if that could happen back then, how much more could that be happening to us in other ways today where culture is going so hard? Back then, culture was so hard in, in, in certain spheres to say this slavery is just accepted and it blinded people from seeing what God's truth really would mean as it would be applied in those situations. Um, it, can ha it happens to us even more today. And so we have to be tremendously on guard um, against how we might be influenced by culture and just let God's word speak and say what it says. Absolutely. Hypervigilant to, to keep going to the word and keep letting the word speak and don't embellish it. Don't over, don't, don't over explain it. Let it explain itself. The perspicuity of scripture is clear. Salvation truth, gospel truth is very clear. Um, as it was said way back in, in, in the day, 
Uh, this, the word of God is like a lion, let it loose, it can defend itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, I think we actually kind of incidentally stumbled our way into talking about spiritual warfare. Uh, and Mike, you did actually lead us right there uh, in 2 Corinthians 10. But just to you know, reiterate the point that we talked about uh, last week regarding spiritual warfare, and this is what you guys are basically saying, it's all about truth and lies. And the devil is the father of lies. He's, you know, been playing, it's a very uh, well-said point, but it's, it's true that you've been playing the same game from the beginning, trying to get people to doubt what God has said. And it's the same now. And so really, you know, the game hasn't changed, even while society seems so different or so distracted or so wrapped up in their phones or whatever. It's all just deception and, you know, the devil trying to distract people from what's true. So uh, we're going to bring this in for a landing, guys. Do either of you have any final thoughts that you want to offer? I have one. Last night, when you just said that, last night, the last thing I read before I went to bed was Genesis 3. And the serpent, you know, the devil saying, did God really say, right, the lie? And, and he twisted, and, and he... And, and he's the, the liar and the father of lies. And so to go to the truth and keep going to the truth and go to the well of truth. And listener, if you are struggling with the truth and you can call it the truth war. Um, John MacArthur had a book called uh, The Truth War. And, and there's a war for truth. There's a battle for truth. And if you're struggling and if you feel like you have no grip on it, I would encourage you to let the truth grip you. Like put yourself in the way of it. Uh, go here biblical preaching at a, a solid Bible church. Open up your phone and get the download, the uh, any Bible app, and listen to the Word of God and read it. And just let it wash over your soul because the Word cleanses, the Word renews, renews our minds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, is bringing us uh, to the end. Thank you guys uh, so much. Uh, final parting shot from me. I'm teaching a passage in Joshua tonight with the high school kids. Joshua 23. It's actually the parallels are pretty strong. He's basically saying that then to you know live in a hostile world with people who don't know God's word. And his his you know demand to the people is just just guard God's word and its work in your life and do it and constantly cling to the Lord. And I think that's a good thing for us to maybe close with. And we want to keep and cultivate God's word in our life and do it. And, uh, and then I'll always be clean to the Lord dependently and praying for his help. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you. Yeah, it was fun to be with you guys. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Mike, thank you as always. Listeners, we love you. We're thankful for you. And we'll talk to you next week on the podcast. Have a great day and God bless you.